Guess who's back? Back again. All right, let's do this thing. All right, I'm pulling up my show notes right now. Um, so I added to our notes that we should probably start with actually talking about, because pro- it's been almost two weeks since we recorded, talking yes. about the progress that we've made since our last episode. Yeah, I was going to actually say that what we should do is apologize for the last episode, though I do think it was a fun episode to listen to. And mm-hmm. to anyone who gave it a listen, you would hear that it basically started for about 30 minutes of John and I just BSing what we thought would be off microphone, so to speak, and then turned into an episode of us kind of going back and forth. It was fairly messy, not our cleanest piece of work, but I liked the episode personally. Yeah, and we talked a lot about other things. Exactly. I bought a computer. You did buy a computer, which is exciting. Tell us what you bought. I got a uh, the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. I got the um, the I upgraded to 512 storage and 16 gigabytes of RAM. Space black, space gray. And that comes when? Uh, the 17th through the 25th, sometime in there. Oh, you still got two weeks. Wow, you were yeah. pretty early in ordering it. So there's. I ordered it like right away, but that was my initial ship date, and it hasn't changed or done anything one way or the other so i assume that's when it's coming and we're we're a couple days delayed from a normal recording schedule because i was in new york for almost a week and we had plans we had grand plans to record while i was there but i was lazy and did a poor job of communicating my schedule so that could be blamed on me and we were all i mean i was watching baseball most nights so it works out a lot of other a lot of other priorities. But when I was in New York, I did get a chance to see the new MacBook Pros with Touch Bar, though I didn't get to use them They at the Apple Store on Fifth Avenue in New York. They had them, but they were behind a glass cylinder. I don't know if you saw the photos from the Apple press event. Was that now a week ago today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, whatever case they were using to enclose them there was the same one they had at the Apple Store, and it was playing through a two- or three-minute loop, so it didn't get any sort of actual opportunity to get any feedback or think about that but i did get a chance to see those so i am excited for you and i'm very interested to hear your feedback though personally i at least right now i'm not going to get one which is that's really saying something well it was honestly it was something where we've talked for the last year where it was kind of waiting for these computers and thought i would have an instant purchase immediately Uh and The thing holding me back right now is primarily the fact that I understand the rationale behind the limit of 16 gigabytes of RAM, Mm -hmm. but some of the stuff we've been doing recently, especially like virtual machines or running Android virtual devices, I I have a 16 gigabyte RAM computer right now. My MacBook Pro has 16 gigabytes of RAM, Mm -hmm. and I feel RAM constrained frequently. And so I don't know what to do because I'd rather not... I'd rather keep a desktop as my primary machine, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that in the short term, I think we're at least 2018 before we see a MacBook Pro with 32 gigabytes of RAM. So I don't know. Had the iMac been updated so I didn't feel like I was buying a year-old iMac, I maybe would have jumped the gun on that. Right, but even the iMacs, like, they're in pretty good shape. I don't know. I think we'll see. They are... They are in really good shape. I just, at this point, feel like I'm almost in the same position I would be with a MacBook Pro where I'm buying a year-old machine. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure. I believe the touch bar will come to the Magic Trackpad. Or not the Magic Trackpad, the Magic Keyboard. Mm -hmm. I do not believe Touch ID will come to the Magic Keyboard, though I do think we will get an iMac with Touch ID built into it. And so that seems like a big adjustment to me or a big enhancement. And so I'm willing to wait to spring, to kind of, if I can, to hope that that happens because I would... That's something that would be a touch ID sensor on an iMac is something that if that came out next spring and I bought one right now, I'd be really bummed. Yeah. And I don't necessarily feel the push like it's not that my computer sucks beyond usage, 
or beyond like reproach, but I just, I want something newer because it's been four years. But the Touch ID seems like something that would be really cool. But when I use my laptop now, I'd like to stay with the laptop, but I primarily keep it closed in clamshell mode 98% of the time at least. And so the Touch Bar and the Touch ID, I can't see myself switching from that. I don't know. So that's kind of my predicament right, right now. Well, we'll see. I'll let you know. We'll cool. probably talk about it. Um, but in the meantime... If you listened to the mess of our last episode, you would know that we ordered a bunch more samples. And so those are in a various state of shipping right now. Yeah. And we are awaiting those. We are patiently awaiting those. However, we do not have an update on that other than uh, one set is in the mail and another set should be shipping very shortly. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And so we will have updates on those as they come. But right now they are in... One is probably on a boat or a plane coming over the ocean, and the other will be doing the same shortly. Uh, we are doing a band giveaway, though. Uh, we did that, and we will talk about that a little bit later. Do you think we should let that go another couple days so that people listening to this early release have a chance to get into the band giveaway? Yeah, I would say maybe Monday of next week we'll pick out our winners. Yeah, so today is the third, so what is Monday the 7th? Yes, the second to last day of our nation. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's a big day. Um, but if you listen to the end of last episode, again, we've decided we are going to give away a couple of the sample bands we have to listeners of the podcast, but more, but most importantly to people who sign up for a simple Google form that John set up. So we will link to that Google form in the show notes. And if you go there and enter in your email, as well as your preference of size and your pin color, we are going to be giving away a couple sample bands. So that'll happen, and we will link to that in the show notes. Um, and that's kind of a good segue into um, our thrust of today's episode. And what would our topic today be? Today we are talking about uh, social media promotion and just other online um, ways that we've been growing the Tone Band's name, how it's been working, how it hasn't been working, all that kind of stuff. The global Tone, brand, the global tone Band's conglomerate. And how we are doing that through social media. It is very global because I can, I mean, I was looking at our fireside, our uh, podcast metrics before this episode of we've had 25 downloads from Canada, Germany, Dominican Republic, Japan, United Kingdom, Spain, all of those have more than one download. That's pretty incredible. And so, yeah, we are titling today the social media episode, which I think we should come up with. We'll come up with a better name. Maybe, maybe we won't. I don't know. I, I hope so. Um, I just want to do another update. This is a little bit out out of order, but I did just check our tracking number for one of our packages, okay. and it has not changed since the last time I checked it. Okay, I was actually going to ask you earlier today about that. So we, one of the things we did with this sample was we chose the longer shipping option that comes from I think it's like China Express Courier or something like that. Do you have the name of the company that's actually shipping it? EMS is the name of the company. And it says Worldwide Express Mail Service. So I don't know what EMS stands for. Express Mail Service, I guess. I tried using Deliveries, a popular iOS and OS X app. I guess you should call it Mac OS now, to track uh -huh. packages. And it had no idea what that service was. As far as I can tell, the order tracker only loads on Safari. Or it does not load on Chrome. I've never gotten it to load on Chrome. It loads on Safari, and it is very slow. Okay. So we did choose the slower option mostly for fun and to see what that experience was like. It wasn't a significant difference. It was three days or something. But and we because to learn we've never like. used, we used DLH, DHL. DL, DHL, DHL. DHL on our previous two packages. And we thought, why don't we see what this other one's like? 
and it was like 10 bucks cheaper so that is us being a a thought a price conscious company here first and foremost Mm -hmm. but also taking a chance so that'll be interesting um you also mentioned the podcast i think our our metrics for listening to the show we're doing pretty well i think we're over several hundred listens i know that 700 total and each episode is over 100 individually now so that's pretty that is much better than i would have anticipated before mm-hmm. we had four episodes. Mm-hmm. So um, our episode three was our least popular um, with 103 listens. Then we got two around 150 and our first episode is 275. Um, so we're making it in the world. We're doing pretty good in the world of podcasting. So we're happy with that. So thank you again for listening to each and every episode. Um, so let's begin, I guess, podcasting. We're going to call that social media a little bit. but I think everything we're using to grow... Are, we're just going to talk about marketing in general yeah. in the digital sphere. So that's our that's our podcast our podcast presence. While we're still on that topic, I guess just to close it up, we've got a couple iTunes reviews. Though I know I'm one of them, so that's not necessarily great. I mean, do we know everyone who's reviewed us on iTunes, or do we have a any strange reviews? Do you want to talk about that? Or do you... I gave a review for myself, but I made it sarcastic and made it clear that it was me, so I didn't feel bad about doing that. Mm-hmm. Out of the other reviews, one of them, I don't remember, but their only other review was of Battery Ghost, so I presume I know them in some way or another. Oh, yeah. That's, that's negative, but that's, I mean, maybe I don't. It could be a coincidence, a horrible coincidence, but I didn't recognize the handle. I made, I think, one plea on Facebook for reviews, so I would presume that's where they came from. But that's that's fine. People don't like us that much, apparently. That's okay. I mean, it takes a lot to review a podcast. One of the things that I think hurts, at least for our our sphere of podcast here, is that we are very Apple-centric. And I think we have, judging by the, the massive traffic from Canada and a couple different uh, U.S. city hotbeds where I see downloads, I think we have a couple core listeners who've listened to every episode, which is awesome. Yeah. Though I think they probably skew not listening through Apple's podcast apps or iTunes. I can tell you that that is true because we get great metrics from our podcast hoster. Um, and actually, the vast majority of our listens come from um, Mac OS. And almost everything on iOS comes from Overcast. 79 Overcast listens, 15 Mobile Safari. Is podcast Mobile Safari or is that a separate app? I do not believe so. Actually, one of the things that this might be interesting, and um, this is a little bit about Fireside and the podcast hosting we're using, which is still, I believe, in beta. So I don't want to make this seem like we're we're saying anything negative about it. Um, and I will let me pull it up right now, actually. So one of the issues, not issues, but one of the things that I think they're working on still is with the analytics. And so if you go to the metrics. And uh-huh. this can only you can see this, John. You and I. Yeah, I'm here. But if you go down to OS 10 mm-hmm. or Mac OS, that's you'll Mac see, OS 10. They don't yeah. make up their mind. You'll see that a good chunk of those are actually titled Mobile Safari. Oh, weird. And those actually should probably be under iOS. Right. And I think that that is something that that's something that's being worked on. What do you think OS 10 media component is? I would guess that that is a background process for Safari would be my guess it's probably it's probably QuickTime. it's probably it could be an itunes process too i don't know i can look into that maybe next week i'll have follow up on that just curious the most surprising one there are that there are five listens through apple mail yeah how how i would guess from when we gave a link through in one of the newsletters and people clicked to open it and 
listened from their email client. Because one thing that's interesting about OS X, which or Mac OS, which people may not know, is that nearly every, I mean, not nearly every app, but a lot of the applications Apple do, a lot of the applications Apple built have various somewhat, and for a lot of situations, somewhat significant integrations with WebKit, which mm-hmm. is the web rendering engine that is kind of the foundation work for Safari. And so Mail has a lot of WebKit in it to render out a lot of HTML emails that you have in nearly any email newsletter you use, including ours. So my guess would be is the Apple Mail are people who have received one of our newsletters and then click through and technically are still in Apple Mail when they're listening. Interesting. And in WebKit through Apple Mail. So that'd be my guess. Uh, but for the OS 10 or the Mac OS mobile safaris, my guess is that those are actually iOS listens that have been uh, caught up in that group. And I would bet that the mobile safari download there for OS 10 are actually attributable to podcast app for um, the iOS downloads would be my guess. There you have it. Um, so anyway, podcast is going well. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, keep listening and rate us and all that good stuff if you're enjoying it. Yeah, I would almost, and I'm going to just aside here because I want to clarify this. I would almost guarantee that the Mac OS mobile safaris are the iOS podcast app because I know personally I have listened at least once there. And we have no attributes, or we have no attributed downloads to the podcast app. So that's would be my guess. So, but yeah, seven hundred. That I, I'm not gonna lie and brag. That's much higher than I thought we ever would have gotten to. And we're here on episode five, so we we keep chugging along. Um, let's move next to talk about. I don't know. I got really excited about where we were going, and then I realized I didn't have an idea about where we were going next. So why don't we talk about Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram? And let's do these kind of as an aggregate, because I think mm-hmm. they all, these are the three most common social media platforms. And I don't want to spoil the spoil the fun, but they've all basically been turds for us, relatively speaking. That is like, true. We And I think a lot of this has to do with lack of effort on my part, our part, collectively, we haven't put a lot of effort into our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram presence, and um, therefore that lack of effort has shown in the lack of results. Yeah, I well, I think in what we're doing out of the three, the one that I think is easiest for us to update, and I've had the most fun updating, and the one I think we have the most opportunity for success is Instagram, which is something I had never used as kind of a advertising or business platform before we started doing tone bands Mm -hmm. but i think our product fits instagram well i think we could utilize that much more than we do but i think that that's kind of some that's where we fit most comfortably would you i I don't see i could i I see having a twitter or facebook but to me instagram Mm -hmm. is the key marketing vector for what we do yes i agree with that and we um so i'm in i do marketing like that's kind of my job and We've pretty much given, we generally work with smaller companies and we don't advise anyone to do Twitter because it's like, if you're a large enough company that people want to bitch at you, it's good for like a customer service outlet because you want customers to be able to reach you wherever they want to reach you. So it's nice for like big companies to be on Twitter so people can complain at you in public. Um, But it's not like, you're not going to get out your message on Twitter very well as a brand, especially as a really small brand. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Both of us really like Twitter personally, and we'll be sad when it gets bought by somebody. But it's not, I mean, this is part of its problem, I think, is that Facebook and Instagram both have a place where small businesses can easily gain a foothold or pay to gain a foothold and really make some good out of the platform. Um, And Twitter just doesn't have that. And ultimately, I think Twitter, most people use this like news or update services. And I don't think 
or they're using it as a kind of almost a replacement for RSS. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for us, I don't think people are looking for the latest and greatest news with their watch bands. Right. That's true. And so it doesn't really fit very well. So we see we don't we're not putting a lot of effort there and I think it shows and we'll continue to show. But we need to get that name because who knows, you don't want someone taking it. But we don't actually have the name. We just have Get Tone Bands. Somebody Correct. actually had Tone Bands before us. Facebook has gone all right. But we only have like, we have less than 10 likes, I think, on the page. Yeah, which true? I guess, I maybe we're up to like 12 now. I will give us a quick look-see. Which, could you explain our page while I put, put this up? Um, so I made a Facebook page. That is also facebook.com slash Get Tone Bands. 13 likes. And it is, as I scroll through it, it's mainly just like cross-posting from our Instagram page. And we haven't done anything to get people there. I think you made a post about it on your personal Facebook page. I might have done that at some point, yes. I don't know if you did or not. I know I have not done that yet. Um, that would probably drive a few people here. But to be honest, like I only know a handful of people who own Apple Watches and I'm friends with them on Facebook. Um, so how much would it add? I don't know. Um, but we have not done anything to grow it in terms of like a paid new likes campaign or anything like that. Um, but we have a page and it's mainly populated with our Instagram content. So like you said before, Instagram seems to be the main way that we're getting out there because it's easy to post from your phone. You don't have to think about it a lot. And it's easy then to even cross post to Facebook and Twitter, which is kind of lazy, but it's not a lot of work. One way that we have used Facebook, though, and I would call this, let's, yeah, okay, we'll go into this. So one way, we've been really focused on growing our email list as a great way to gain potential customers and also learn uh, not demographic information, but like watch interest information, like who has a 38 versus a 42 millimeter watch, uh, who has a black versus gold versus, versus rose gold, like that kind of information. Um, we're using our email list signups to get information about that. Uh, and Facebook has a really slick advertising tool called lead generation where you can make an ad um, and somebody it's could say like, hey, sign up to receive our newsletter. Uh, somebody clicks on the ad. Facebook auto fills out their information. And then voila, you've got an email address that you can add to your MailChimp account. We're using MailChimp, by the way. Um, but um, I thought this would be a great way to add email subscribers. But it has proven to be less effective than I had hoped. Um, I've just pulled up the stats. We've run two ads, uh, one at the very beginning of our existence on September 24th, uh, and or that ended September 24th, and one that ended October 28th, um, and we spent 40 bucks total on that. And from those $40, we've gotten 51 email addresses, so not too bad. I guess that doesn't sound as bad as I thought it would. I think our, our second campaign was much more successful am i wrong about that or am i our second campaign was twice as successful in terms of cost per lead because we tied it to a giveaway um, which we talked about a little bit earlier Um, that was 56 cents per email address and our first one was a dollar 33 per email address so neither it's been okay but so we've gotten 50 email addresses from that which is a good number of email addresses but it's not it's not a number that maybe is forty dollars worth, right? And if it was, I guess my main hiccup on this, like these are pretty good numbers. If I was doing this for a client, I would be happy with that. But we ran, we put with us compared to 
your email collecting efforts minuscule. So let's first of all, so the Facebook ads are the first advertisements we've run. We spent forty dollars mm-hmm. and we've attributed that to about fifty one emails that we can use one day to hopefully say, Hey, look at our product. So that's what we have going for us on Facebook. Twitter, we will be abandoning pretty much more or less. And Instagram, we post fun pictures we take. And we'll see where that goes. Um, I think there's a potential route for Facebook once we have product to sell. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. And I think we might want to start, like, run a small new likes campaign just to get, like, a less embarrassing number of people to like our page. I agree. And so, but our primary focus, like John has mentioned, has been our emailing list. And so I'm going to pull that up real quick one second here before I get talking about it. So clickety-clack. And we are using MailChimp to handle our email um, list management, which is probably, John, you might know better than I do, but MailChimp is probably the leader in online mailing. Uh, so you wish you wish it was the leader in online mailing. Oh, who's, who's constant the contact is the leader in online mailing from everything I've seen. Constant contact is a flaming pile of garbage. It is terrible to use. I never understand like thing. You'll be editing like a block of text for 10 minutes and you'll click save and it'll be like, nope. And huh. then you don't know what to do or why it happened. And then you like copy and paste your text into like a different window and close out so you don't lose everything you just did. And then it, it's it's terrible. I hate Constant Contact so much. And they don't have a free tier, which MailChimp has a very generous free tier. Yeah, so we're using MailChimp, which is a great email platform. Right now, we are currently using the forever free plan that they offer, which offers up to 2,000 subscribers and up to 12,000 emails per month. So we will hopefully be a ways from hitting that. And we are currently on that. But even if we end up having some strong success, like if we end up being, you know, really great here, the prices really don't, they really don't um, hit us that hard. You know, if we end up getting, let's say, these are unlimited. If we do pay as you go, email credits. Yeah, I mean, once we get to the point of where we actually start making some money, it's really not that bad of a plan for the number of subscribers we will have and how we can go about doing that. So... We're using MailChimp. This is great to get started for a team like us because there's no upfront cost. We're going for free. We'll use that until we hit 2,000 subscribers. And if we get to the point 2,000 subscribers and we're not making money, we're probably uh, failing at using our email list. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we've focused on. And one of the great things about this is, and I'm loading up our dashboard right now, through our, we've been working on this primarily for like, I'd say the last three weeks have been our emailing kind of where we started to take this seriously. Mm-hmm. And right now we have, or right now we have 360 people on our mailing list, which we're both very happy about. That's kind that's of inc- incredible. So that's where we are extremely excited. That number has kind of come to us the following way. So like John mentioned, we had our 51, which are attributable to Facebook mm-hmm. of which, what was the first campaign? Did we get uh, 15 on the first campaign, 36 on the second campaign? Okay. So, up until about a week ago, we only had about 40 subscribers. Yeah, and some of those were natural leads also, just like us posting about it on our personal Instagram or our personal like Twitter feeds. So one of the things we did with the giveaway of the bands, which John mentioned, was we tied it to a Facebook promotional item, which allows us to collect emails from people who are interested in the giveaway. But what we also have done was we created a form to sign up for our email list and be entered into the giveaway, which we mentioned earlier in the episode. And I took that and decided to post it to the Reddit Apple Watch 
subreddit. And I did that. When was that, John? Probably, was that Friday? Um, yeah, Friday of last, or Thursday or Friday of last week, I guess. And that had, I would say, like, incredible success for us. How would we describe that? Man, blew me away. Um, I'm pulling it up now. So it was six days ago, so I guess it was Friday of last week. But we, the response was overwhelming. People were thrilled, and we got over 300 email addresses basically for free um, through this thing, through Reddit. Yeah, so we kind of grew our list. We would say there's probably, it's hard to tell for sure because we're using the same link that we're using for the Facebook campaign, I believe. Yeah, it was the same link. So, but we do know there's like 36, but we think there's probably about 300 links or 300 signups. How many signups? They're like 320 minus the 30 something we know were from Facebook. So we got 290 or so from Reddit. 290 subscribers from Reddit. Right. A lot of signups. Which to us was really incredible and cost us nothing. Mm -hmm. And so what have we learned from that? Well, obviously people like giveaways. Yeah. People love any free stuff. Which is to be expected, I suppose. But one of the things we found, and this is where this gets exciting on our end, was we decided after we received basically these 320 new subscribers we found through Facebook and Reddit over the last week, um, on Monday, we decided to run an email campaign to the people, only the new people that were on our subscriber list. So it turns out we had, I'm going to just do the math real quick here. We had, yeah, about 40 something before the, before we did these two pushes, 44 maybe. And then we ran this new email campaign to everyone we had gathered over kind of the weekend all 323 people and which is a considerable amount of people to add, you know, over a course of a couple days. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, did we find that they actually had interest in opening our email. Right. We had 63 or 66% open rate, which is great for people who might just want free stuff. Only five people unsubscribed, which is great for people who just signed up because they want free stuff. Um, and 50 people clicked things in the email. 57, 57 total clicks. So, so the the numbers the numbers looking here to me is first of all I would say that our our subscriber base there was not I mean it was organic mm-hmm. and I think people have interest in the product but we saw a you know the industry average for what we're doing seems to be about a twenty percent open rate and obviously this is the first email for everyone there mm-hmm. so I think our open rate will obviously drop over time so I'm not going to get only too excited goes down yeah. But the fact that 66% of people who signed up for this were interested in at least opening more and learning more information about us, which was kind of the title and gist of the email was, hey, learn a little bit more about us, not you've had signed up for this giveaway. That to me is extremely promising. Mm-hmm. I think our click rate could have been higher, but we didn't really try to go for clicks at all. It wasn't like we had any clickbaity. It was more just informative, like, hey, we're a real... We we exist. You signed up for this thing. And yeah, it wasn't real. like we had any clickbaity click here or hey, there's a discount or a sale or something like that. It was more of hey, thanks for signing up. Here's what you're signing up for, and here's some more information to our podcast, to our Twitter, to our Facebook. And so overall, that blew us away. And I think definitely leading forward or going forward, I think email for us is going to be the best way for us to communicate with people who are interested in the product for sure. Um, and the the cool side effect was this. So. So if you're signing up for this giveaway, obviously we need to know a couple things about you. We need to know your email address so we can contact you. But we also needed to know people's watch size um, so that we could get them a watch that made sense for them and the color of the watch that they have. Um, So those were the three questions that we asked people when they signed up for our giveaway. 
And with 300 people, we, you, you get like a reasonable sample size of, of who might be interested or like what your potential demographic is for your product. And so we got, I've got this sheet pulled up here. We've got a lot of cool information on that. One thing we found that I think we were both a little surprised by this number um, is that 85% of our respondents had the larger watch, the 42 millimeter watch, and only 38% of, or only 14% of, or 15% of respondents had the 38 millimeter watch. That seems like a much higher skew than I would have guessed, only because you have the 38, correct? I do have the 38. The two other people I work with who have watches both have 38, so I kind of... And they're male, is that correct? Yeah, all three of you. Right. Which, that number actually shocks me. Right. Could it skew? Did we have 42 as the top item on the choices? Yeah, but I mean, how many people have both Apple Watches? Some people, because you added either as a choice. I guess that's true. I was wondering if not only that they have both, but if maybe they were lazy and just clicked the top one. Yeah, but if it was a giveaway, like you want what you want. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe I would say that maybe because this is a really interesting question, which we can maybe put out there to I could probably make an actually post to people on Reddit and be like, here's what we learned. But maybe. Oh, that would be a good post. But I think one one of my guesses was just that the average Reddit population skews more male and the male population in general skews more towards the 42 millimeter size than the overall population of watch buyers. I would agree, though that doesn't match the anecdotal evidence we have amongst ourselves, but I would agree right, with you. Right, but I think, I think we're outliers in the, like, I don't know a lot of other males that own the 38 millimeter watch. Another, another thing I was thinking was that if people are active on a subreddit about Apple Watches, they're probably people who really enjoy their Apple Watch, and I would say people who are that enthusiastic might be also just general watch enthusiasts. Like, they're just watch enthusiasts, who also have an Apple Watch. And I would wonder if maybe amongst watch enthusiasts, larger watches tend to be more popular. I just, it seems like whenever I see fancy watches or I don't know if you call them showy watches, but watches they're that are so, used for fashion. They're so fucking big. Yeah, that's what my point was, is that usually when you see people who are into collecting watches, they're like big watches. So maybe watch people are just inherently more into big watches. I don't I don't have anything other than just kind of thoughts on that. Um, So that was our, that was a very interesting breakdown. And I don't think when we order... We need more data in terms of maybe our suppliers could help us out with that also. Like what kind of breakdown do they normally see um, from the people who order? Um, And the other thing that was encouraging to me um, is that the vast majority, um, so 226 of our 320 respondents, so two thirds almost, um, had gray, space gray as their watch color. Yeah. Um, which is nice for us um, because, like we said, we're limited. Our minimum order number is based on the color of pin that we order. And so we're starting off with one pin probably. And it's one pin color probably. And it's good to see that there's a strong majority interest or ownership in the space gray color. Because that's what we're going to probably go with. Well, we're definitely going to go as our first batch. So that's cool. So yeah. Uh, to summarize that, MailChimp has been successful for us, and we are excited to see where we can keep going with that because we think that that has a really good opportunity for us here moving forward. Um, I think one of the things we'll try, and if somebody who's listening to the show is both a subscriber to our email list and also a podcast listener, we would love to get some emails or some feedback from you on if we're sending too many emails, too few emails or whatever. I personally do not mind a newsletter for something that I like. 
Mm-hmm. I don't like unsolicited bad emails, but if it's for a product or something I like that has good information, I have no issue in getting mm-hmm. mass mailings. So there's a couple that I get regularly that I love because they're products I enjoy. So I think I think we have an opportunity there as long as we provide good emails. I do too. Not necessarily even about the product, you know, hey, we have this new band available, but hey, we have a new podcast episode that here's what we talk about or we have this or that we're doing. So I think people will hopefully continue to open and um, be engaged that way. Yeah. So, but if you do, if you do have th- feedback or thoughts on, hey, you're sending too many emails, you're not sending enough. I'd like to see your emails do this. We'd be happy to hear them. Um, we'll we'll cover it at the end of the show. But again, our email is contact at tonebands.com. So, just the word contact at t o n e b a n d s dot com, and we'd be happy to hear some feedback on that. So, I guess from there, so that's our email update, which we are excited about. Um, let's talk about the photography we are doing and that you see on the website for the most part has been either John and myself photoshopping and we're trying to get rid of those cause those were kind of initial early first thing we did or photos I've taken myself with just my Canon. And I don't know. I mean, I think that they give kind of a good, I guess we haven't really talked about it together, but John, I'll just throw you on the spot. What do you think of that sort of product marketing look for our bands? I, I went overtly serious i feel like is what you would i don't know how you would call that art style what would you call that yeah it's kind of industrial almost yeah i think that's how you describe it yeah i think so and we can throw a photo one of these photos in the show notes to kind of give a better example if someone's missing it but that kind of matches what we were going with if you go to the making the bands website which is podcast.tonebands.com we've got a good the homepage has one of the red bands with the black pin and yeah industrial it is serious it's not playful i think in any way but i don't know how you would make a playful photo here yeah because the watch itself especially like from the back which is like how you look it's it looks like it looks serious i think from the front like the part you actually see when you wear the watch it's not quite as serious looking but like the back with those circles and like the contrast i don't know it's a pretty serious looking product on the part that you never see of it. We've got a couple photos. Once we get the more the additional colors, I will play around a bit more. One of the things I'd like to do is maybe get someone who... I, I'm trying to have a... I have some thoughts in my head visually, but I can't express them. Of, I'd like to try to find a way to have someone like model these on an arm and take some photos that way, though that seems very difficult to me because there's not a whole lot there to display. Yeah, and we've got to get... No offense to all males, but like we got to get less hairy arm probably in our pictures. Would you consider waxing your arm for tone bands? I do a lot for tone bands, and that might be one of the things you could do. Getting like a manicure? Yeah, a, yeah, tone band, uh, an arm manicure. I don't know what you'd call it, but right. But I mean, like, I mean, yeah, it's we we need better better people than us. I think our I I would believe that our photography will continue to be in the same visual style mostly mm-hmm. because i can do that all right i'm not a great mm-hmm. photographer but i have a few different types of styles i can take photos of above average and that's one of them it looks sharp i don't know another way to present these things in a photo you know in a photograph i really don't know any other way other than a photo from behind the band showing the pin and the watch so right from a technical standpoint when we have some of those photos if you see them I'm just using a relatively inexpensive DSLR from Canon. I think it's a Rebel. And it's an older Rebel as well. So it's nothing that's like super expensive or something like that. And I will give technicals here for this one for anyone who's interested in the photography. The band shot that we have on the Making of the Bands page, which we'll probably use in the show notes, was done with a 50 millimeter prime lens. And I have a very basic lighting rig that I bought off Amazon for cheap to do. I, so this is a nerd thing, John. You probably don't know about me. Uh-huh. I have an interest in doing insect 
macro photography. I did not know that. So if you ever want a chance to look at my Flickr, I take a lot of pictures of bees and stuff like that, which is weird. But you're neither you're neither C Banga nor Cameron Banga on Flickr. I'm not. I don't know. C Banga is a guy named Mr. Kaba. C-A-B-A, and he's got a funny uh, cartoon pig as this is uh, thing, his profile pic. I am people forward slash 69097565 at NO7. Sorry, it's, I'm not going there. Well, flickr.com slash cbanga directs to Mr. Kaba's page. So anyways, that's how I did those photos if you're a photography enthusiast. And maybe the most interesting part of the photos, which I think... I'm not sure if you guessed this, John. Either you or Harry and Virginia guessed this, and I can't remember which one of you it was. The industrial design there has a reflection of, and here, the red band that kind of bounces off the the floor that the band is sitting on. Mm -hmm. And I shot these photos on top of a MacBook Pro. So I used a MacBook Pro to get that aluminum glow. I did not guess that, but I could not. You asked me what I thought it was, and I could not tell you. Yeah, so that was a MacBook Pro. So I cheated there. But I think it turned out really well. I actually was really happy with how those looked. So that is our photography and how we do product photo shots for tone bands. We've kind of wrapped this. This is probably going to be one of our most efficient and reasonable episodes. I guess the only other thing we want to talk about is website hosting, which we're not really doing a whole lot yet. Yeah, I don't, I guess like you've just, you just hand, this thing is built by you from scratch, right? Yeah. The website we have currently, which is just tonebands.com, which one second, let me pull up again. You know what I should do? And this is an insider note is next time we do an episode, I'm going to create the episode on Fireside before we start recording so that we can easily use the bookmarklet to save the links as we're recording. Nice. That is a good idea. That's an advanced, an advanced technique. Yeah, this website that we have currently, I wrote in Vim. I stole a CSS page I think I had from another site, but other than that, I think I wrote like the whole website in Vim. So it's not it's not good, but it basically just serves the purpose of allowing people to sign up for our newsletter and shows a photo of the bands. Eventually, we'll probably have something else on this website, like more I think like a picture gallery might be cool for people to like see what's going on. The reason we've held off on this, I think, is because we've been busy and we found that there are other useful ways to reach out to people, such as our email list. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I think we'd like to do is I think the website will kind of hold off until we decide what we're going to do for a shopping cart experience. Mm-hmm. And if we're just going to go through Amazon exclusively or if we're going to try Shopify or, or something else still yeah. as an option. So I think... Once we figure out how the how the sales will work for the first batch, I think that would kind of direct our website hosting. Because if we do, if we went like the Kickstarter route or the Amazon exclusive route, like it's just a product page, it's just going to tell people about. Yeah, it's going to be a basic product page that links to that. And if we do Shopify, we might just integrate with Shopify or something and have that be our website. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I think that's a future episode, and we're we're not we're not there yet. We also don't have a logo yet, which continues to keep us from continuing. Yeah, from lots of um great marketing lots of like continuity like it would be nice if we had our logo as a profile picture for all of our social media presence but we don't have one we're doing a lot of things we're focusing mostly (laughs) on the podcast i think that's where most of our time goes right because the podcast is where the big decisions are made yeah it's the it's the hour a week we get to actually talk on the phone and discuss what we're doing with this thing well cool so i think we i think we've wrapped everything actually i don't have anything on our we don't have anything else on our show notes list no and dare i say this is going to be like a pretty easy to edit episode i hope for you i hope so so the last episode i edited on the plane using a trackpad oh no if only you had that uh magic if only you had that uh force or that what touch bar force touch bar yeah and that was not a fun 
episode to edit on a plane. No, it, I don't think it would have been fun anywhere. Trackpads are not fun for editing audio podcasts. It is not. There's no way. There's nothing fun about it. There's not fun. You, the, the biggest bullshit part of me of that whole Apple Apple demo last week was when that woman was using Photoshop with her trackpad, and I would just like. You're not doing this. Like, nobody does this. Yeah. I would say that using Adobe Audition, which I use to edit our podcast, is mm-hmm. about as fun as doing Photoshop with a trackpad. It's. I would rather do Audition than Photoshop with a trackpad, but it's It's not like it's like a... It's not a compare... You know, both of them are a shit sandwich. You know, one's right. a worse so, but either either way, it's not fun. All right. Well, we did it. We stayed on topic. We had You made good notes, and we recorded a... I think pretty coherent episode. Yeah, I'd say compared to last episode, this is like counter to that. So we've actually <laughs> done a good job there. So eventually, we've got to start talking about our fun. Like, how are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we yeah. selling it? How's it going to work? And I'm just afraid of that episode. Yeah, that's going to be. I feel like that one could just turn into like a three-hour debacle where we just go on and on. So because like I don't have, I don't know. I think we should try to do some research beforehand. Like present like what we've like because i just don't know anything about kickstarter like i don't know what their cut is i don't know i just don't know i know very basic information which i could lie about but i don't really want to pretend i'm an expert at all we need to do some research beforehand agreed so well we will save that for a future episode uh like always if you have any feedback or comments feel free to email us our email address is contact at tonebands.com t-o-n-e-b-a-n-d-s it's like the musical tone and bands and uh, you can follow us again. Just search Tone Bands on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I know that that's not just some of them are Git Tone Bands, some are Tone Bands. If you search for us, you should find us. Or go to our website, ToneBands.com. We have links to our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook there. And if you do appreciate the show, if you're one of the people who have given us 700 episode listens throughout the first four episodes, uh, we do really appreciate you. And I don't know about John, and I don't want to speak for him, but it's been a lot of fun doing this. And Mm -hmm. it is really cool to see people listening to it and hopefully enjoying the show. So if you're one of the people who does listen, a review on iTunes or any other pod caching service, I think Google Play as well or something like that, would be extremely (laughs) appreciated from us. And we would really enjoy that. So, But thank you again if you're just listening. We really appreciate all the downloads we're getting as well. Yeah, and we'll be back next week. Awesome. All right. See you later, John. Bye-bye.